Thanks for joining us again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I'm Josh, and we are here to give you episode six of season two of The Witcher today. If you didn't join us last week, we covered episode five, and no worries there because I'll give us a quick recap before I have Chase jump into episode six because he's going to be the one taking us through the recap summary today before we get into our takeaways and our debates and uh that fun little monster that we get to learn more about this week than that was briefly introduced last week so really excited about what we have going on today before i go ahead and give that recap summary quickly of episode five last week i'll turn the floor over to chase for him to say hey and then we'll get rolling here yeah man it's gonna be a fun one today definitely takes an interesting turn (laughs) towards the end of this episode today so uh really cool stuff you have some full circle moments today um but yeah no it's it's gonna be a a fun ride it's very um wild here to think after today we only have two episodes left for this series and you know and then that's it for a while um on the witcher so which you know here that is one of our big franchises so we will be coming back at some point to the witcher but uh gotta enjoy the ride while we can man and back to you cool all right then before i go ahead and give the quick brief recap of episode five that we did last week let's go ahead and cheers up real fast and and uh raise our glasses to the air cheers to you and cheers to me the best of friends will always be if by chance you disagree then fuck you here's to me (laughs) yeah that's dirty (laughs) dirty nelly jay nelly for you uncle nelly in the house Malison Chalice, man. Cool. Uh, anything else? Yeah, I'm just going to go Your into thing? that quick recap, and then I'll turn it over to you to go through episode six. But to kind of give you guys uh, an idea and a quick re- like remembrance of where we left off in episode five, we were introduced to that new fire mage, Rien, so we're going to kind of see what happens with him going forward here. We had, uh, I would say, Yennefer and Yaskier. They had some fun troubles getting in and out of sticky situations. At this point in time, uh, Yennefer has gone to the old witch in the forest. She said the the magic words, and she disappeared from the chains, which, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, some things that all the issues with last week. Uh, On top of that, uh, Istred and Geralt went and uh, really investigated the monolith and tried to figure out what was going on there, while Cirilla had that crazy dream with that that elf from the story of Nivellen from episode one, and then... The Wraiths of Mor- got, like, Morhog came at her in her dream, and she was screaming for Geralt and Istrid, and Geralt heard it. And from that like crack in the time-space continuum, the Stellasite fragments started forming and shot at them. And a, something, some monster that we'll talk about here pretty soon uh, rushed out of it and flew out into the sky. On top of that, going forward from there, uh, we also had... Basically, Fringilla and Francesca keeping a semblance of a partnership so that way Nilfgaard and the elves are continuously working together. And then on top of that, we had Cirilla try to become a witcher for the first time. We got the syringe like inches from her arm. Geralt steps in and stops that from happening because that could have took a real different turn real early there. So uh in right as of right now and in my opinion probably going forward is not a witcher and will not be a witcher uh but it got close it got dicey for a second um then talking about tris she now has this sort of like fearfulness of cyril doesn't want anything to do with her anymore 
and we're gonna kind of learn where that fear leads her to go and and who she decides to tell about it uh, coming up here in this episode and then last few things we learn that Istrid has a theory that the conjunction was not a uh, hitting of the spheres and combining into one merging into one but in fact hitting each other and bouncing off but leaving sort of like communication gateways with the monoliths so that's a really big part going forward I think at least and then on top of that to kind of close this out we had uh, Yennefer in with the old woman and the old woman turned into like a facsimile of Cirilla basically telling Yennefer to bring Cirilla to a uh, black door on the outskirts of Sintra and that is where we ended off and that's why I'll turn it over to Chase and he will take us through episode 6 in season 2 of The Witcher right now so do it man so the witcher episode six uh i usually don't read the titles but i thought this was pretty cool it's called dear friend and that's gonna <laughs> take kind of a full circle moment for later but so it opens up so Geralt and siri are traveling and uh siri says so how much further is it where are we even going at least in care more in when we were safe and Geralt says the trail of grasses isn't safe and siri says not listening again Girl says, you want to kill yourself trying to become a mutant, so if you survive, you can kill yourself trying to get revenge. Which part did I miss? And this is when Siri says, you don't really give a shit about what I want. All you care about is your damn duty. So long as I'm breathing, you've done your part. I need more than that. And you're kind of getting, kind of like how we were seeing last week, this is what I was kind of talking about with that like kind of rebellious attitude of Siri, but... He goes, Siri, Geralt does, I do understand. But then they start hearing moving in the distance. And Siri says, what's up? Do you hear something? Geralt said, this is the shallowest part of the river. I'll check if it's safe to cross. Siri says, what do you mean safe? Geralt, I'll try to draw it out first. And then Siri says, draw what out? And this is where you learn the name of that monster that we heard last week. And Geralt said, it's some kind of Chernabog. I don't know what it is stay here and then this you have that big ass gray metal chernabog stone thing almost like a stone dragon how jay nelly was describing last week flies out first uh gerald hits it twice with like that force spell that we've seen him use before out of his hand and uh he just tells siri to run and then it cuts back to vesemir and triss so Vesemir is telling Triss back at Kaer Morin that he's been a fool and Triss tells him that they both have and Vesemir drops to the ground like he's been poisoned and uh, with like a vial and Vesemir looks up and just says someone is here and we see that it's Rience that we talked about last episode and Rience just goes surprise and Vesemir shoots the force spell just like Geralt was doing it just a minute ago over with the Chernabog. And it uh, he shoots it at Rience, but Rience sends a fire blast, like a fireball sort of thing, at Triss and uh, Vesemir and uh, at Triss and Vesemir, but Triss stops it with her magic. Um, but you can see when Rience shows up. That based on from last episode when Jay Nelly was talking about with Yennefer spitting, you know, the alcohol through the fire on his flame finger, you can see that Rience's face is half burned up. Like the top half is just burned. Some real um, like Harvey we, Dent shit, wasn't it? 
It was, man. <laughs> it was, yeah. Definitely Harvey Dent shit. Um, but yeah, so Rience entraps Triss with the fire surrounding her and approaches Vesemir. And Vesemir and Rience engage in combat like one-on-one for a minute. Vesemir picks up like a staff and breaks it in half and attacks Rience. And Rience lights the staff on fire, um, causing Vesemir to release it and drop back uh, with the fire magic that he's using. Vesemir gets knocked out cold as Triss is like approaching him and then Rience vanishes. And Trish, this is when she knows they're in big trouble, so she's shouting for Lambert's help. And then it cuts back to the camera pans over, and this is a really powerful moment. And the first thing we see is three major gashes over Roach, who was the horse that's been with us from the beginning. Uh, this is a really sad, powerful moment. He was attacked by the Chernabog, and Geralt and Ciri are just there comforting him. And Ciri says... Is there anything we can do? This is when you know there's kind of no hope for Roach because Geralt pulls out a knife and just talks to Roach and puts his hand on him and says, Enjoy your last walk across the meadow and through the mist. Be not afraid of her, for she is your friend. And then Geralt just ends uh, Roach being in pain and he passes on. Um, But... It's not over yet, because the Chernobog is still fucking there, man. Here comes the Chernobog, the Chernobyl. Let's go. So the Chernobog shows up again, and Geralt turns to Siri and says, It's time. Are you ready for this? Siri says, Yes. Geralt tells her, Go up to the rock. Geralt drinks the elixir that we've seen him drink in the past. I don't know if it was the same one, could have been a different one. But his eyes turn black again, and you know, shit's about to go down. So Geralt says, stand your ground, Siri. Hold, hold. As the Chernabog dives at Siri as she's standing on the top of this ledge, Geralt jumps down on the Chernabog, stabs it with a spear, and drags it down. And I put, <laughs> not to always compare to Game of Thrones, but this was very Viserion-esque here. Very Viserion as the Chernabong crashed into the ground and just like rides over and roars and, and dies. It like clashes into the ground. The only thing they needed was some ice. <laughs> they needed, they, if Geralt was anyone, he was the Night King in this situation, taking down that Chernabong. It was badass, man. It was awesome. And then Geralt, as it falls to the ground, Geralt just says, where the fuck are my swords? <laughs> it was badass. It was absolutely awesome. I loved it. Uh, anything you want to say about that scene, man? What would you think? About that scene, not so much. I think he did a great job covering it, but I would say that I want everyone to realize that Roach is actually a girl horse, not a boy horse. So Roach is, oh, a, okay. Roach is a her. But still, outside of that, it, uh, that was a sad moment. But yeah, no, it was really cool. Really cool to see. Um, he has this tendency to take his dagger and like slide it through the chest as he's coming down with a lot of these, uh, a lot of these monsters he's fought yeah. this season. Like when he did with the uh, the Bruxa back in episode one, he kind of did the same thing, kind of turned over, put the tip of the spear up, and had it like drag across the body. So seems to be one of his signature moves, but pretty cool, man. Uh, I'll let you continue on. Pretty badass. Uh, so then we kind of cut over to Francesca and Frangilla, Frangilla at this point. And they're walking, kind of discussing their past. She makes a reference to a flower that she makes bloom with this elven magic of hers. And she tells Frangilla that when she did that spell in her past, 
her father led a, a crusade against her and uh, Gage held her father down while she slit his throat. And then they, <laughs> the village built a statue in honor of her. So just kind of finding out a little bit about her past. Frangilla tells Francesca that Kair was her superior. But Francesca is telling her here that Kair needs to stop thinking he's in power because Frangilla is who she's kind of putting in as her number one person beside her at this moment, like her partner in crime, kind of. But Kair, now you see him, he's all clean shaven, he's in armor, kind of like how we used to see him in season one. Um, he reminds Francesca not to lose sight of the mission the White Flame gave them and Siri uh, was last seen in Sodden. So, sorry, not Francesca, Frangilla. Um, First, her name's Frangilla. Fr- right? Frangilla. It's Frangilla. Frangilla, sorry. But I also yeah, wanted to Fringilla. say this little piece of dialogue because I think it's important because it could potentially cause a conflict between the interest of Nilfgaard and the interest of the elves. And this piece of dialogue mm-hmm. here was talking about what you were just saying with um, him, say, with uh, Francesca telling Frangilla, you know, you act different when Kahir's around. So um, he said, uh, Francesca says, you're different with him around. Not afraid, perhaps, but smaller. And Frangilla says, well, he was my superior. And Francesca says, was, because you've bent him to believe so. It's time for him to stop thinking he's in power and to know you are. And Frangilla says, the white flame rules Nilfgaard. And Francesca says, yes, but my people, the face they see that feeds them every day, that welcomes them in from the cold, is yours. That is worth something. So the reason why I want to point that dialogue out is because that could technically cause a conflict if yeah. Frangilla decides, you know, Nilfgaard isn't working out and she needs to support the elves. So elves are probably going to flock to Frangilla's side versus Nilfgaard, even though Nilfgaard's technically the ones that let them in to the city that they that they own and run. So I just thought that could potentially be a point of contention later on, and that's all I wanted to draw attention to, and I'll turn it back to you. No, great point. Um, so from this point, we kind of cut back over to Geralt and Siri, and Geralt's telling her, you know, he's proud of her, and but Siri mentions, and this is a big moment, she feels that pull again that we've been talking about in previous episodes, and she didn't feel as if the Chernabog wanted to hurt her. Uh, Siri tells Geralt about, the, the, this is a big full circle moment from season one, about the time when the night caught her, and she says... When the night caught me, all I could feel was fear. I was so scared, but also felt anger. Later, there was also some men from Sentra that found me. They were going to take me to the night to collect a reward, but I wasn't scared that time. I just, I knew what could happen. The girl said, you screamed. She says, I killed them, Geralt. Geralt responded, how many were there? And she said, four. Geralt. Only four. You've got some catching up to do. And Siri says, so what now? Girl, good question. I'm hoping we'll find out answers there. And then Geralt and Siri arrive. Uh, I called it Melatiel. Is that what it's called? The temple there? Uh, Melatelli is the girl's name, like the woman there. So, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's the temple. Melatelli <laughs> is, yeah, good call. Um, but yeah, the temple of Melatelli, which uh, Siri mentions that Melatelli is the goddess of fertility and harvest. And Geralt said, I'm impressed. And Siri says, uh, I do, in fact, read. And Geralt said, Vesemir took me here when I was about your age. It was here where I learned to do signs. 
and yes, I was a, once a child. So now we're seeing this is actually where Geralt uh, was trained for a little bit. Vesemir brought him here. So, and then from that point, so uh, Geralt tells Siri that the temple is a neutral space, and Nineka enters, um, which is someone that Geralt's actually known for a long time. Nineka says, uh, so Nineka enters and tells Siri that. Uh, there is a path to help guide her chaos and she's going to help her guide it and Siri says like the daughter of chaos and Nitika says where did you hear that the questions you were asking required the knowledge of time whatever questions you were asking I'm not sure that you are ready Siri says whoever gave me the chaos hiding from it won't fix it I'm ready for the truth whatever it takes Nitika says you are just like him Siri says Geralt Nitika says yes Ask him about the Ard incident <laughs> nearly destroyed the office we were sitting in. Which makes me kind of want to know more about Geralt's backstory here. But I also wanted, then, yeah, yeah. I, one quick thing I also wanted to mention that, because this is important just because of what ends up happening later on, but remember mm -hmm. when Geralt actually hands his weapons to the women walking around and explains to Cirilla that they're safe and like there's no fighting or politics there? So like, so right. they all give rid of their weapons, which, you know, normally like in times of peace, that would make you feel very very comfortable but you know as someone who's watching it it made me feel very uneasy that our witcher is there weaponless and you know we are gonna see if that's gonna be a problem or not going forward and i'll go and turn that's back a over big to point <laughs> great point excellent <laughs> um so uh then at this point Nenica introduces her student is it jare <laughs> jare jare yeah. dicere i think it's yare i think that's what it is jare okay and orders him to uh, take Siri to the library. This is kind of an interesting moment, too, which we'll get into. have a little bit of questions on that. Maybe you see a little spark in those two for, like, the five minutes. <laughs> we have Yari there for the five minutes, right? But so then Geralt asks Nenica what she thinks. And Nenica says, I don't see any side in which you are not entirely fucked. She's uh, that was great. I was like, imagine hearing that from Geralt's perspective. It's like, oh, thanks, <laughs> appreciate it. This is great. She goes, she's a princess. Kingdoms will want her for her status. Nilfgaard already does. You know how many have been killed in pursuit of her. And Geralt says thousands. Yes, I know. Nenica says, and if she has elder blood, she's a fucking tinderbox. Geralt says, by all means, go on. Nenica says, You said she recited Ithilene's prophecy during one of her episodes. Geralt says, Yes, but I won't let what may or may not be a folklore dictate my path. Nenica says, What does she know of the wild hunt? Which is a big point you were kind of making a couple weeks ago. It was awesome. And Geralt says, She believes what most people believe. What are you driving at, Nenica? And Nenica says, she is a child of destiny. There are forces at play larger than we know. You are a part of her, and she a part of you. But it's not enough. Geralt says, I know. What can I do? Nenica says, I taught you in all things balance. Find what is missing in the girl, and then maybe you stand a chance of helping her. Then we kind of cut back to Francesca and Phila Vandral. And they're discussing getting their land back if it's possible. And Philip Vandral mentions that everything seems more vulnerable now. And he'll do whatever Francesca asks. 
uh, Francesca then says that Philavandrel needs to be by her side and puts his hand on her stomach, uh, reiterating once again that she's about to have the child. So we kind of know now that it's Philavandrel's <laughs> child here, I'm assuming. Otherwise, that'd be super weird. <laughs> what, what do you think about that, Jay Nelly? I mean, it never was said, but I think from the beginning it was pretty well uh, implicated that it was uh, Phil Evandrel's child. Because remember, he was the leader of that party of elves or the group of elves mm-hmm. until he decided to abdicate his position to Francesca. And so it only makes sense that the two people that would lead the elves would. Because the other one, Gage, is Francesca's brother, and she's not going to marry her brother unless this is, like Chase loves to say, Game of Thrones. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was pretty, to me it was pretty well implicated that Phil Evandro was the daddy. Yeah. Um, so at this point, you know, and Francesca basically says, like, this child is what's most important. But then we kind of cut back to, so Lambert asks Triss how Vesemir is. And Triss mentions that Vesemir is shaken, but he's stable. So we know he's alive, so that's good news. But then Triss realizes that Rience has stolen the vial containing Ciri's blood. And that's a, a big, big point. Um, so Rience returns, I think this is her name, Mahashadu, which is like the person that hired him, right? Did I get that right? No, her name's Lydia. <laughs> I think I looked that up wrong on the casting. Whatever. That's her. That must be like her elven name or something. That's shit. probably her real, real name in real life. There's one thing I did really? want to mention though too. Between that little, the little dialogue when we're the right before he yeah. figures out that uh, Rience took Strilla's blood, is like figuring out like this because like first it was Cohen that says how's Vesemir and like you said Trista, you stable but shaken. And then another witcher said what I can't figure out is what a mage would want with Vesemir. And mm-hmm. that's when Lambert kind of is like a dickhead to Tristan says, well, why don't we ask the expert what business could one of your kind have here, Marigold? And that's, that's why I think it's important. Chris said that, Tristan says, that bastard is not one of my kind. And that fire magic is off limits for us. And whoever he is, he's not working for the Brotherhood. So I just thought that part right there is really important. So we know now for sure. I mean, we already had an idea, but we know now for sure he's not working for the Brotherhood. So it just leads to more speculation to who this uh, Rience guy is and whose orders he's ta- what orders he's taking from and who he's taking those orders from. So uh, I'll go ahead and let you kind of go back to Lydia and Rience over there. No, that was a great point. Yeah, Lydia, that's her name. <laughs> I don't know how I got that. I brought, yeah, who knows, man. Probably translated in Elvish. <laughs> that's probably what happened there. Agadagathaya. <laughs> in the words of Legolas, they're all going to die anyways. <laughs> anyways, okay, here we go. So uh, back to Rience and Lydia. So uh, Rience uh, returns, and Lydia demands to Lydia is talking to her and Rience demands to meet her employer to renegotiate his terms and Rience says better to be the right hand of the devil than in his path and Rience uh, or and then uh, Lydia says I'll see what I can do now you expect to get out of that temple with the rest of your face intact you'll need a crew I know some particularly savage brothers which is that's a big moment because that's going to come up later but what's also a big point in that too is like that whole conversation what does Rience really want out of that he wants to meet her employer 
So like yeah, now that's now that, that that that's really important because we're gonna figure out who's pulling the strings behind their mission, kind of like we were just mentioning. So when he when she said like, "What do you want?" He responds to meet your employer. Lydia says, "My lord is a private man, and why should you give two shits about meeting him?" And that's when Rian says, "He seems like a man of vision. I'd like to help him see it through." And like that's why I thought it was really really cool. There is that. This guy, he's obviously a really talented mage. He was released for a reason. People think, you know, he's got some sort of talents. But, like, now we're starting to climb the hierarchy. Now, who's the guy who's, you know, right. calling the shots? And that's, that's something I thought was pretty cool and pretty important. So I'll let you continue on. No, great point. So now we go to Istrid. So <laughs> Istrid goes uh, to see what's says uh, on the door when he, before he walks in and knocks on it. It says, God, Ringer, and Finn consultation and legal services so he goes inside and this it's, old it's man confiltration actually not it's not consultation it's confiltration oh, confiltration that's I what must it have is not worn my glasses <laughs> <laughs> yeah well played good call confiltration and legal services but this old man is standing there and godringer says you're lucky the trap is broken usually it shoots 20 inch metal spikes out of studs got a hawker a few weeks a few nights ago I can still hear its screams. <laughs> it was great. I thought it was fantastic. It's kind of like a weird vibe, too, there. Um, they see this cat that looks like Garfield. <laughs> so it's very... Uh, it kind of reminded me of, like, an old lady's house that has, like, nine cats or something. Like an old library or something. What kind of vibe did you get from this place? Uh, yeah, it almost reminded me of like a play like like someone who's not very uh socially he like 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 not he's socially awkward as i guess you could say someone who's not used to a lot of people visitors someone who's very private keeps themselves and doesn't want their business out in like the streets like you know so when yeah. i walked in it was like it's a very like they don't look like dangerous people but like i have a feeling that it's a lot smarter than we're giving them credit for and that like he said he had traps set for the most part and that you know, imagine that you know he walks in, and I don't know if anybody's ever watched the uh, old TV show called Burn Notice, but what this like this scene <laughs> reminded me of is when they went to go see like an old clockmaker, and he was an ex spy. The the clockmaker was, and they were like you know Michael Weston, like the main the uh, what's it called protagonist. They went to go see him, and they they he tells them the like the clockmaker tells him the follow him to the back, and they start to do it, but they see it the male great, and he holds him, grabs him back just in time, and he had that whole trap set ready to like electrocute the shit out of them, and so that that's kind of reminded me of like this old guy that you think is like harmless, that uh, he's not exactly as uh, fragile as you think, and so that's what I took out <laughs> of it. No, that was perfect, man. That was great. It reminded me a little bit of like. If Ollivander was dirty and didn't have any wands. <laughs> Anyways, no, that was great. So um, at this point, so Istrid is there, and he says, <laughs> that's chilling. I take it you're Ellis Godringer. And Godringer just says, I. And Istrid places his hand on a book, and he says, "The so this is him Gedimethus elves and humans. All copies were lost. Godringer says, yeah, we all have a great number of lost world of literature and text here. That's one reason why our services come at a high premium. Now, you were saying you were in need of... Godringer says, power is information. Now, tell me, are you acting on behalf of Stregobor? And Istrid 
mentions no. How do you know me? And Godringer says, we know lots of things. Istrid looks down at the cat, and he assumes this is Finn, like it says on the door. He says, I'm Finn. Then the woman goes, there's a woman, old woman next to the cat that's in like a wheelchair sort of thing. And she goes, I'm Finn. And the cat is Esmeralda. <laughs> and Istrid just says, I need to know what a witcher, a monolith, and a mysterious girl have to do with Nilfgaard. And Istrid throws them a bag of coins. And Godringer says, these are Nilfgaardian. Do you, and then Finn says, do you work for them? This makes it more interesting. And then they say, the girl is Cirilla of Sintra. And then you cut back to Yare and Siri at this point. So Yare shows Siri around the temple. And this is kind of where you have this little moment I was talking about. And he noticed uh, Urobokalum. Is that what it's called? The, uh, the piece yeah. there that's really important? It's called the Orbukalum. Urobukalum. Okay. And he's like wandering around with it. And Yare tries to get Siri to value. Uh, so uh, Siri is asking about this Orobokalum and what it does. And Yare says, well, I got something that's more valuable. <laughs> and he's talking about knowledge. And uh, then from afar at this moment though Yennefer is seeing them consulting each other so this is that kind of this big moment of everything starting to come full circle here to your point too about the like the little kind of mini baby flirting I, th I wrote down this and I just I thought it was kind of funny because it was like a little bit of an innuendo um, talking about the, what you were mentioning with the Orbukalim and Cyrilla asking what it does and Yari saying he's not sure because it's a tool for mages and he's not a mage and like she almost kind of looks at him like he's less than her and he's like I don't want to brag but my tool is bigger and much more powerful and <laughs> it sounded really yeah like, I had that too that was, that was really great. interesting but so then, but the, the funny thing is he realizes how that came out and he like you said he quickly explains that he's talking about knowledge uh, yeah. I also <laughs> thought this was a pretty important part before we see Yennefer. And something I wrote down, he mentions uh, Oneromancers can relive, relive past events just by looking at a painting. That is something mm -hmm. that's really cool. I don't know if it's going to come into play or not, but if anything, that's one hell of an interesting fact. Oneromancers can relive past events just by looking at a painting. So we'll see if that ever comes into play later on throughout the series. But uh, yeah, uh, also one more thing before Yennefer appears is that we learn there's a myth about a long-lost tower somewhere on the continent that used to connect to the Isle. And I think that could be a foreshadow as well. And then I'll turn it over where you were talking about Yennefer appearing behind the pillar watching them you know, fraternize. Yeah, that was perfect. I had that dialogue right here, but that was perfect, though. <laughs> you nailed it. Um, but yeah, Yennefer, as she's seeing them, though. So Yennefer is hearing the voice of the deathless mother uh, and by the way siri goes when he drops like the book siri says your big old tool almost broke my toe <laughs> <laughs> that was great it was excellent and then she just walks off but yennefer heard the deathless mother say find me steal me and then this is when yennefer opens the door and then Geralt is there and Geralt is talking uh with siri and Geralt says, be with you in a minute, but then turns around and Yennefer is there. So after all this time, here they are, full circle. It's been a minute. <laughs> it's been two years for us. <laughs> so here we are again. And uh, Yennefer just says, how is this possible? 
And Geralt is so shocked, he just says, I don't care. And they have this massive Romeo-Juliet kiss go on. <laughs> it reminds me of some old songs I used to sing in season one. But no, we'll leave it at that. It's great stuff, man. Um, so then Siri says, Geralt, do you know what to do with this? Sorry. <laughs> Geralt says, Siri, this is my... Uh, dear friend, which goes into the title of the episode is fantastic. And Yennefer just goes, dear friend. <laughs> Siri says, Yennefer. And Yennefer says, and you must be his child's surprise. And at this point, we cut over and we see Kahir. And he's decided to show off in front of... I. Who is that elf called Deer or something? Deer? So the the elf's name is Dara. But one quick Dara. thing before you go over to that part I thought was really cool. is like the full circle moment of this. Just because remember in season one, the very last words that were spoken before the sequence like turned off and we were done with that, uh, season one was Cirilla asking Geralt, who's Yennefer? And then it was the end of the season. And so like now we're here and we get to see Cirilla seeing this is who Yennefer is. So I thought that was really dope. But yeah, uh, the the elf's name is Dara. Perfect, fantastic. So, yeah, Kahir is you know you still have this controversy between elves and humans, and Kahir decides basically to like show off in front of uh, Dar, who is remember we were talking about him before. He's that elf. He's kind of like in training at this moment now, and Philip Vandrels at uh, in this area, which is like this kind of like training area, right? And he's showing off and he's like, you know, really attacking him, knocks him down. Kind of remind me of like someone beating the shit out of Theon. <laughs> That's kind of what it reminded me of. I honestly Were thought you... it reminded me more of like when Snape whooped Harry's ass. <laughs> like honestly, <Ball> <laughs> because like that was like a big, big age gap between Kahir and Dara. And like obviously Dara was just learning and Kahir has been like a like a knight that's you know been in battles and you know has a lot of experience it really reminded me of like after uh snape killed dumbledore and terry went racing after him into the lawn and <laughs> snape just like whooped <laughs> yeah, his ass on the hogwarts ass. grounds like a few times <laughs> one other thing i thought was important to mention too and it kind of went to my point that i was talking about a little bit before with like the potential uh conflict of who are the elves going to follow when it push comes to shove is it going to be nilfgaard or is it going to be fringilla is like they uh Kahir and his his general hack, they're worried that the elves will only be loyal to Fringilla and not Nilfgaard. And that kinda of, you know, that's why I thought it was pretty important, like saying it's starting this seed of doubt is growing in everybody's mind right now. Uh, but mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and let you get back to that um one on one demonstration where Kahir beats Dara's ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's basically what happens. I guess you can say if Snape uh, was to Harry than Philip Vandrel is to Sirius because <laughs> like he jumps in the way, stops it, and uh, you can tell Philip Vandrel is basically just about to beat his ass. And then he holds the knife to Kahir's throat, and this is when a woman screams, "Philip Vandrel, the baby is coming!" And then we know it's Francesca's Sir, baby. Sir, it wasn't a girl. It was Gage, the brother. It was I could tell who it was. <laughs> Someone was screaming out on top of their lungs. Bitching up in the back. I can't tell what the fuck was going on. All I remember was that badass scene where Phil Evandrel had that fucking knife to Kier's throat and he said, A lucky human. Well, <laughs> he also, you also remember the dialogue that they had in that part, too, because what Kahir was saying 
and he was kind of being like a dick to elves. He was saying that uh, they all fight like fairies, and that's when Philavangel grabbed the, yeah. the knife to his throat and says, "Impossible! Your kind killed them all." And that's when Gage like screamed for the thing, and he's like, "Lucky human!" And then that's where you're gonna take it from there. So. No, it was perfect. Yeah, I tried not to put as much dialogue in it just to try to be efficient, but yeah, that dialogue is badass. <laughs> you can't. Well, it was also but... like it talks a little bit about the, the the conflict more in depth about like the humans and elves, mm-hmm. right? It's like your kind killed them all, so there's a lot of friction between Kahir and Philavandro and humans and elves, and like we already know there's a lot of friction there, but like it seems to really kind of be like a heated dispute between these two specifically because I would say that Philavandro's probably like the the foremost warrior of the elves and Kahir is kind of like mm-hmm. the leader of the men here in Elfgard. So like they're button heads and that's yeah. the only reason I thought that it was important. Yeah, no, it was, it was no great point. That was really a great point though. But, um, so then we cut back to Siri and Siri's talking with Yennefer and says, how did you survive Sodden? And Yennefer says, I almost didn't. I'm one of the lucky ones, depending on your definition of luck. And Siri says, well, Geralt says you're the most powerful maid she's ever known. And Universe a little bit shocked and says, well, that's nice of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then asks him, says, you're staying here to heal? Have you been injured or something? And Geralt says, of course not. Monsters ceased biting and clawing 10 years ago. But what about you? I crossed paths with another one of your... Uh, Dear friends, <laughs> fantastic! I love it. It's excellent. He goes. He told me what happened at Eratusa. Is that why you're here, hiding from the Brotherhood? And you can kind of sense a little bit of, you know, just like with Nevelyn, like you can tell that Geralt picks up on these things. Like something doesn't seem exactly right. And um, Yennefer says. Uh, yes, it's been a difficult few months, but things seem to be finally turning a corner, which seems a little strange. Definitely not like Yennefer just to go wandering somewhere to catch her breath. Siri says, I dreamed about you once before I even knew you existed. And Yennefer says, dreams are powerful omens. Perhaps we're meant to find each other. Siri says, well, I'm going to bed. Maybe I can dream about how to work this thing. And she holds up the Ouroboukum. Or whatever it's called. Or Bokum, right? Is that right? Or Bukalum. Or Bukalum. Or Booty Booty. Hocus Pocus. Get that shit out of here. No one needs it anyways. <laughs> it's basically useless after then, this shit. <laughs> anyways, okay, whatever. Uh, so then Yennefer mentions, though, she says, this place is a maze. I'll walk you. And Siri goes, no. It's all right. I can find my way. And girl's starting to, like, wonder what's going on. So we cut back to Francesca, and she has the elven baby. She birthed it out. It's here. The new elf in so long, just being born here. It's alive. It's alive, like we said in Van Helsing. It was a little touch and go, right? At the beginning, it wasn't breathing, and they were freaking out. And that's, you know, at first, like, you didn't know if that baby was going to make it or not. Because remember, if you guys don't remember this, all she's this isn't the first time that she's been pregnant. All the other babies, though, never came to term and never, like, were born successfully. So this is, like, this is as farther as farthest it's come, and we almost didn't cross the finish line here. Like, you know, it got, yeah. the baby wasn't breathing, and then I'm sure you're probably going to talk about it, but Frangilla grabbed it and, like, pleaded to, like, the, the sky for it to breathe, and it finally does. <laughs> and, and, yeah, this is the first elven baby that's been successfully born in many generations. So it's a huge, huge ordeal for the elves. 
Yeah, no, that was it. <laughs> you nailed it, man. That was great stuff. Uh, so then at that, so basically the baby's born, and then she says, Fern Gillis says, a new elf was born this night. And I was like, woo, okay, cool. That's fantastic. You're immortal anyways. <laughs> anyways, so back to Siri. So Siri's with Nenica in the temple. And Nenica says, does Geralt know you're roaming my halls at night? And she kind of comes over to almost like if you've ever seen like Day of the Dead or something. Like they're honoring the people that have died with like all these candles in this temple. And Siri says, does he need to know what this is for? <laughs> Nenega says, To welcome late stragglers who seek refuge, and sometimes I light them to remember those I've lost. Ziri mentions, I can help. Nenega says, of course. And then she lights one and says, Tamira. And Siri, this is a pretty emotional moment, she lights one and says, Feroach. And then she lights another one in a full circle moment. She says, Malsack. And Nenica says, Malsak, who is that? And Siri says, you tried to protect me. And Nenica says, he must have loved you very much. And Siri responds, I wish he would have told me what I am. Not one of them did. Not until Geralt. Nenica says, sometimes our elders set out to protect us, not knowing our strength. And Siri says, my grandmother was strong, brave, never hid anything. She loved me more than anything, but she hated elves. Nenica says, hatred is an endless circle of fear and desperation. And who can tell which path came first? Perhaps your grandmother's hypocrisy was rooted in something honest, a desire to protect you. And Siri says, well, she did a shit job of that. <laughs> Fantastic. And Nenica says, your true power resides more than in your blood, Siri. With the right guidance, you might have the ability to break the cycle of hatred once and for all. Siri says, do you really believe that? Nenica responds, remains to be seen. Only a hundred more candles to go in that direction. And Siri holds the Orobokalum, or whatever Jay Nelly calls it, the Mage Ball. We call it the Mage 8-Ball around here. <laughs> That's basically whatever the fuck that shit is. No one needs it anyways. Toss it to the bottom of the sea, just like Harry did with the Elder Wand in the film version. <laughs> anyways, or just go bury it. <laughs> anyways, who cares? So she holds the thing and says, what am I supposed to do with this thing? I can't figure it out. And Nenica says, Geralt believes in you. I do too. It's a big moment for foreshadowing here. Then we cut back to Francesca and Phil Evandrel, or with the baby, and Phil Evandrel says, Anine. And Francesca says, yes, our little love. And then we cut back to Kahir approaches Frangilla and starts questioning her what this will do to the alliance with the elves and the questions he has if the elves will ever rebel and then rise up on their own. So he's questioning these things, which really shows just like Jane Elliott was selling, saying how this big historic animosity has been formed over the years and then Kahir places a sealed letter down by Fringilla and Fringilla says the white flame wrote you how soon can we expect him and Kahir just says any day now and Fringilla starts to hear the voice of the deathless mother and says they will take it first your power then your freedom now we're cutting back to Yennefer and Yennefer asks Geralt if he thought about her after Cangorn, and Yennefer tells Geralt that she fantasizes about him and he really hurt her. 
And uh, then you hear that Yennefer tells Garrett, Geralt that a fire mage is looking for Geralt. And he acknowledges that the fire mage, Rience, that we know, uh, must be looking for Ciri. And Geralt says, Yen, your heart has been beating fast this entire time. You're nervous. Why are you here? He knows something's going on. Yennefer says, uh, I have some wounds that still need to heal. Geralt says, you still want to have a child? And Yennefer says, no, it's different this time. Geralt says, let's hope it's different for the both of us. I need to find Ciri. And then we're cutting over to Istrid. So Istrid is still back with Finn and Godringer. And Istrid mentions that there's a gene that has been showing up mostly in women. And Godringer mentions Lara Doreen. And Finn tells Istrid that elves didn't build a weapon. They were building a warrior. So that's a big moment. And the elf is... Uh, did they mention like what the elf was called? I just I thought they did for a minute. Well, I want to talk about that too because like first his name's yeah, go for it. His name's Codringer with a C, not Godringer with a G. <laughs> I thought it's, it was Godringer, uh, like uh, well, Gregorovich. And like, <laughs> and his his first name's Ellis, so I just called him Ellis when I was writing it down because it's Ellis, Fen, and Istrid. And Ellis says maybe there isn't any riddle after all. Some kings build statues that are vanity. Maybe the emperor Amir collects monoliths. He could want Cyrilla to have a legitimate claim to Sintra. Unrelated facts. And then Fen sarcastically says, Hmm, yes, it's probably pure coincidence that Amir wants the princess with the secret power to shatter monoliths to her, like, sort of claim to the throne he already took by force. And Ellis is sarcastic right back. He's like, you know, Fen, I've been thinking. How could we get answers faster? Oh, that's right. More sarcasm. And so Istra says, there's a gene that keeps showing up in the Sintran genealogy records, but I've never heard of it. That's when Fen tells him to spell it, and he spells it Leish Ard Rath Ard Lara. And that's when we talk about, like, when Fen tells Alice to get the scroll, Istra says, it looks like mostly women have it. And do you think it's a misnomer or some kind of illness they're trying to conceal? That's when Fen grabs a scroll and reads off of it. And she reads, And when humans proved hostile, bringing death and destruction, multiplying and infesting their lands, the elves built a weapon to destroy them. Perhaben means weapon, but this is Praethen, which is more like Drafen. It's a mistranslation. The elves didn't build a weapon. They built a warrior. And that's when Ellis says, Lara Doran. And I'll go ahead and turn it back over to you. That was like the whole like thing of where it caught on there. So we're talking about the Sintran genealogy. We're talking about how there was a mistranslation this whole time. The prophecy was messed up. It was never about a secret weapon. It was about a secret person. And so that's kind of where it kind of takes back now. And I'll go ahead and let you cut over to, I think, where we're at, Dara with, with the Dijkstra's owl at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, full circle moment with the owl, man. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Dara is consulting with the owl. So it still makes me wonder, like, what we were talking about in the previous episodes. You know, what's going on with this owl? What is this thing? Um, but he's consulting with the owl and says that Siri is the reason Kair and the uh, other empowered um, are coming to Sentra because they're all trying to find her. And then it cuts back over to Ciri, and this is a cool moment, because she looks up Illithine's prophecy in the alchemy books. And I actually paused the screen here to read what it says. And what's funny is it's actually on, it's like page one or two in Blood Elves. So they took this straight out of the book. And like I compared it word for word. Like I couldn't believe it. I was really shocked. So I was really impressed with this. 
but on the screen, and this is actually what it says in the book, but on the screen, so the elven word, it says, Ain illithines pieth, illithine ajalip avivines prophecy. So that just means basically illithines prophecy. And in English, so it says, um, the entire translation in English, I'm not going to read it in Elvish, but it says, Verily I say unto you, the arrow of the sword and the axe is nigh, the arrow of the wolf's blizzard. The time of the white chill and the white light is nigh, the time of madness and the time of content. Tedrieth, which means the time of end in Elvish, is what it says. And then it says, The world will die a mist of frost and be reborn with the new sun. It will be reborn of elder blood, of Hineshir, of the seed that has been sown, a seed which will not sprout but burst into flame. Estuesti, which means thus it shall be in Elven. Watch for the signs. What signs these shall be, I say unto you. First the earth will flow with blood, Ayinsiedith, which means the blood of elves. And that's, I, I just thought it was really cool because. It was exactly word for word with what was actually on that book because I paused the screen. It's on page one and two in the first chapter of Blood of Elves, which is exactly what the title is, Blood of Elves. So I thought it was really cool. I like how they're taking stuff straight from the book. But Siri notices that the blood on her hand, uh, there's blood on her hand and there's like a blood trail in the hallway. So she follows it. So much for that little romance, because Yara's there, <laughs> bleeding out. He didn't last too long. Gave it a good run, man. Sorry. Well, we don't he know shot. if he's dead Fired or not. Shot. He's probably dead. He didn't do shit. I need to see the body. <laughs> see, you're seeing it on the ground. He's about to fade into the light. I was sitting there. I was watching the screen, standing over, and I was like, just accept it. The mountain beyond the mist, in the words of Geralt. <laughs> mountain beyond. I was waiting for Geralt to come over there with a damn knife and just put him out of the misery in about ten minutes. Put him out of his misery. Go into the light, Yare. <laughs> Go into the light, sir. Anyways, so he's on the ground. Uh, we know he's not going to do too much. But uh, <laughs> so he's... It, she goes over him and then Rience is there and he ambushes Siri uh, with what's called the Michelot brothers which are like these guardsmen and Rience says hello Siri have you met the Michelot brothers and Siri says I don't know who you are but come any closer and you'll regret it and Rience says I think we'll take our chances Siri this was really cool the Orobokulum can you say what that is again you, you got it right that time Orbukulum yeah Orbukulum okay yeah she like smashed it against a guard's head like good for Siri like well the cool part is she's not putting them in her shit sorry the cool part is too if you guys remember this is came earlier when you were talking about uh, Lydia and Rience this is I don't know, mm-hmm. many, many scenes ago. But my sister said, like, you, you're going to need a squad or a team. And I know uh, some specifically savage brothers. And these are the brothers yeah. of Full Circle, the Michelet brothers. So that, that's the Michelet brothers with Rience here. So I thought that was pretty cool that that came Full Circle pretty quickly from Lydia saying that she knows a group of savage brothers. So, um, yeah, Love go ahead man. and continue on with that. Or Buklam smash to the dome. <laughs> <laughs> smash to the dome, baby. While Yaro, Yara, whatever the fuck his name is, he's over there just clinging on 
go into the light, sir. Go into the light. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, after that, so Rian's traps Siri in a circle of flames that he conjures. And Geralt shows up to save the day. Here comes our boy, man. And Geralt just goes, Siri. And this was badass. They walked in like fucking Guns N' Roses, Aerosmith, or the Rolling Stones. Like, I don't know what the fuck it was. They were like the the trio of truth with those three. Like, Yennefer and Geralt just come out of nowhere. Imagine thinking that if you're Rienz, though. Like, you think you got this in the bag, and then all of a sudden, like, because they don't know Yennefer can't use her magic yet. Then you have one of the most well-known witchers of all time, and you have one of the most powerful mages of all time just fucking walk out to protect this girl. I would be thinking, wow, I really fucked up, man. (laughs) I fucked up. (laughs) I fucked up real bad. Anyways, so they walk out, and uh, Geralt shoots his force field magic spell, like enforcing the fire towards Rient's. And Rian says, well, if I'd known to follow you from Oxenford, it would have saved me a spy mission to care more in. And Yennefer says, nice scar, shithead. Geralt goes, firefucker. Yennefer says, unfortunately, yes. Geralt tells Yennefer, take Siri. I'll find you afterwards. Yennefer has Siri, and then they go down the hallway. And then Geralt, this is badass, takes on the entire group by himself. Like you said, too, like... No weapons, because you're in a fucking temple. Like, you just got to use what you have at this point, man. That, which was genius. He used, like, that force shield thing, which is badass. And I wrote this down. I got the shit right now. I thought it was badass. I thought it was cool. It was, uh, this is a little uh, little interesting facts time with Chase here. As he breaks down uh, how Gerald kicks masks. How about that? How about that? Cash me outside. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so... Geralt gets hit four times. Geralt hits four different men four times before he's cut across the chest. Geralt then picks up a chair and hits another guard and then blocks another attacking guardsman. He shoves the original guardsman that attacked him back against the post, knocks him away with the sword that he grabbed, and then punches him across the jaw knocking his teeth out like holy shit that was fucking intimidating i would not fuck with Geralt. absolutely not then Geralt administers two more blows knocking the man down almost like the zombie land double tap baby it was badass then we cut back to siri and uh Rience attempts to melt the locked door that's in front of siri and yennefer to pursue them Siri realizes Yennefer can't use her magic, and Siri says, most powerful mage Geralt's ever known, right? <laughs> like, sarcastically, like, thanks. Like, you're really fucking us right now. And Yennefer just goes, it's complicated. Back to Geralt. Geralt throws a man over a table, almost like the hound. I want three more chickens. <laughs> it's fantastic. I loved it. Blocks two punches from another attacker, punches him, and then holds his right arm in place while he kicks another guardsman and then pushes the original guy that held, he was holding his arm back and shoves him into another attacker and then forces him on a stone slab. And then Geralt punches him down, 
just like Jon Snow and Ramsay, just like beats the shit out of him and then grabs a sword off the slab. Geralt deflects two attacks from a guardsman, gets him open body, and then stabs him straight through the neck. Geralt sprints towards Ciri, but then is tackled by another Michelet brother. As the attacker swings down, Geralt deflects the weapon with his sword, uses a force spell again to project the attacker off. The attacker falls out of the air through Geralt's blade, entirely impaled. And then another Michelet brother grabs a spear, stabs it toward Geralt at him. He deflects it off with the force shield again. And then this is when we cut back over to Yennefer and Ciri and the Ouroboculum begins sending magic and glowing blue. Yennefer says, this thing senses magic and it isn't mine, which means you need to get us out of here. Ciri says, how? Yennefer says, I'm going to teach you the first thing I've ever learned. Geralt blocks... Back to Geralt kicking ass! Geralt kicks ass again! <laughs> Geralt blocks another attacker with a torch that he grabbed off, grabbed off the side of the wall, then uses an alchemy book, throws the alchemy book down, punches off another guardsman, grabs the arm of another attacker swinging down with the sword. Geralt kicks him, uses the sword he originally had to cut down the man behind him, and then releases him back, swinging back the other guy into his blade, and then shoves the blade into the neck of another attacker that has a sword. Back to Yennefer. Yennefer's not doing shit. Geralt's kicking ass. Yennefer's not doing shit. She hasn't really earned her stripes here. Yennefer. <laughs> so she says, Siri Vandengathan, which is elvish. And then she's speaking magic and says, we have to try. Lesson number one, see the outcome, make it happen. Siri says, Vandengathan. And then the uh, Rience is burning the locks off the door and then they finally hit the ground. The Ouroboculum cracks and opens a portal. Garrett then, Geralt then deflects another guardsman with a spear, knocks him down with a spear and stabs him through the neck. Geralt throws his sword full force towards Rience, but Rience disappears through a portal. Geralt sees Ciri and Yen, Yennefer, near the portal, and Geralt says, Ciri, Yen, stop. Ciri disappears through the portal. Yennefer looks back at Geralt and says, I wish I could. Yennefer follows Ciri through the portal. Geralt stares at Yen, just shocked. Can't believe what happened. Yennefer and Ciri land, throwing up in a random house, like in this shelter thing. Yennefer says, well, you did it. Where the bloody hell are we? Then we cut back to Triss and Vesemir. And she tells Vesemir that the vial with the mutagen is gone. And, and she tells him that she needs to go and tells Vesemir goodbye. So Triss leaves. Back with Istrid, Finn, and whatever the fuck the old man's name is, Gilgamesh. What's his name? Codringer. Uh, uh, Codringer. Ellis Codringer. Codringer. That's it. Can be taught. Codringer. Codfish. Got it. Got it. Finn says, and when the band was born, a field the of babe, family. The baby. When the babe was born. When the babe, sorry, autocorrect over here. <laughs> autocorrect when the band, when a humble bard. <laughs> Anyways, no, when the babe was born, a field of fin and weed sprung up. And Lara Doran drew breath, crying, Know this, my curse will hound your descendants until the tenth generation. 
Until the columns of time and space tremble and open for my people, then my vengeance will be born again. Codringer tells Istrith that Calanth in her elven bloodline, um, because she knows what, uh, so tells Istrith that Calanth has her, uh, it was telling me about that. I, I want to make sure. I, 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 I got, I got that quote there. That he, Ellis, Can you say that? Yeah. Ellis says what? Calanthe hit her elven bloodline because she knew it lurked in it. And Istrith says a generational weapon. Yeah, there you go. And that's a big point. That's why I wanted to make sure I got that right. Autocorrect, man. Autocorrect, ladies and gentlemen. But I did get the entire exact breakdown of Geralt kicking ass. The most important part. <laughs> Anyways, fuck yeah. So, uh, Taseya. Then we're seeing Taseya now. And she is staring at this wanted poster that we've seen from previous episodes of Yennefer. And Triss, this is where she arrives. She's portaled herself to Taseya. We're portaling ourselves now. <laughs> We're just portaling ourselves. Anyway, so Triss says, I am loyal to you, Taseya, no matter what's happening. Here at Eratusa, here at Eratusa, but this is bigger than that. And Taseya says, What's wrong? Triss says, I know for a fact that a drop of her blood could change the world. And in the wrong hands, she will destroy it. And that ends the episode, man. Uh, what are your takeaways from that episode? Anything you wanted to add? Uh, no, not add. I think you did a great job of breaking it down and going through a quick recap summary of it. One thing I will say about that fight scene, what I put down just as like <laughs> a um, like a comparison, I was like, Geralt takes on all the brothers 300 style. Because like, you can see like the impact, slow-mo impacts and hits and stuff. And I just I thought it was very reminiscent of like the 300 battles that they did in that movie. It was really cool. I really like, you know, this is the first time in a couple episodes. I think, you know, episode uh, five and episode four, it, it was a lot of storyline. And there was certain types of action, but not like uh, combat action. And this is the, the way to bring it back in, the combat action. You know what I yeah. mean? We got, like, the first that starts off with, like, Rience and Vesemir going at it one-on-one and, and Kay Morin. And then, you know, we get that awesome battle scene with the, the Michelet brothers and Geralt in the Temple of Melatelli. You know, so there's some really cool stuff there action-wise. It was one of the more, like, uh, climatic, actionable things. And obviously, the big climax of this episode is that Yennefer stole Ciri. So this whole time, Geralt's trying to figure yeah. out why the hell is Yennefer here? This doesn't make sense. Well, now he knows that she was there to kidnap Siri, and we're gonna see exactly how pissed off Geralt gets about this. Um, but, uh, that's gonna come up in, in future episodes here between next week and the week after, because uh, like Jay said, we only got two more episodes of, of The Witcher in season two here. Um, but no, overall takeaways of the episode. Like I said, I really love how it's bringing in everyone playing a big role. Like Istrid's finding out all this stuff like historically about like the Ethelene's prophecy and uh, you know all these. Like things being said, talking about the generational weapon in Calanthe's bloodline, and that being Siri, and how that Triss going back over to say, saying, "I know for a fact a drop of blood could change the world, and in the wrong hands destroy it." So you know, like a lot of things came to a head in this episode. It was really exciting from start to finish. Like even in the very, very, very beginning, the started off with them fighting the Chernabog. Like it was just it was nonstop action, and on top of that. We got a great reunion, first time since season one. Yennefer and Geralt have laid eyes on each other when Geralt thought she was dead this whole time. 
he found out last week in the episode that we covered, episode five, that uh, Istrid kind of gave him the heads up that Yennefer's still alive accidentally because he didn't know that he knew her or anything. So just so many things kind of came to a point in this episode. And I thought it was it was one of my favorite episodes of the season so far, just because a lot of the storylines started to mesh. And on top of that, we're learning the backstory from our historian Istrid, and we're having some badass action. And then, you know, Yennefer kidnaps Cirilla. And what's crazy about this too, and what's going to be important that I want everyone to think about for next week, is that Cirilla didn't get the chance to see Geralt get to the door. She walked through the portal as Geralt got yeah. to the door. Only Yennefer and Geralt saw each other before, and they had a quick, you know, dialogue that you were talking about before she walked through. So, like, you know, Yennefer knows how that all played out, and we're gonna see if uh, how she uses that information in the future. But, uh, yeah, my takeaways were it was probably my favorite episode of the season uh, up to this point. Uh, it did a lot for me, both you know visually and something that you saw to follow along the detail plot wise. There was a lot of big moments. Uh, on top of that too Rience had taken uh, Cirilla's blood in that vial and now Lydia has it and who knows what she's going to do with that so just so many big moments happened in this episode it was one of my favorite ones so far and those are my takeaways about the, the episode what about you? Yeah I thought it was great I mean I liked it a little bit more than the last episode just because of the action and I thought this episode was kind of one of those things like it had it all like you had you know, of course, it's not like a, a major boss battle, like not like something we've been building up for years to see. But especially for like season two of a show, like it was really cool. Like you had, you know, you had Rience coming in to like ambush Siri, But at the same time, you had that big full circle moment with Yennefer. You got to see Carol take on all those guys. And he fought the monster of the Chernobog. And it filled like a lot of big questions we're trying to figure out with Istrid, where he's talking to Con Rieger, Cod, play Call of Duty, whatever the hell his name is, and Finn with the cat, Esmeralda. <laughs> so answered a lot of questions there. Um, and, and now I, I love the fact at the end that now we're even bringing Tasea back into it, which Tasea has been in this season, but, you know, it's it's been a couple episodes till we since we've really, like, it's been back since like Stregobor. <laughs> we're talking about all this stuff with him since we really talked about Tazea. So I just thought it was great. I thought overall, overall, I thought it was really well done. Is what I thought. I thought it had like everything you could really ask for in a solid episode six. And on top of that, too, what I think is important. I didn't even notate this. One of the bigger things is that a new baby elf was born for the first time in many yeah. generations, and so. This could be a symbol of hope and going forward in their civilization too. What's going to happen? How is that going to, you know, spark the fire to the conflict with, you know, obviously the North hates the elves. Nilfgaard's trying to, you know, bring the elves onto their team. Now is this going to change anything now that this baby's born, right? So it's just, uh, this is really interesting. This episode really did a lot of uh, bringing things together. And um, I'm excited to kind of see what happens from here, man. So... Without any further ado, I'll let us jump into the debates, let you kind of take us away with the first debate, and then I'll do mine, and we'll get on out of here. Well, we'll talk about the, the Chernobog, too. Did you want to talk about the Chernobog? Do you got details on him? And uh, Yeah, I do, unless you want to take it. No, you, go for it, my uh, man. It's all you. Let me mention first. Um, the biggest thing that's interesting about the Chernobog is it's... Um, the, they actually even had an article on this. Uh, you really got to look it up, because they only briefly mentioned the Chernobog 
in the book actually and even in the games they didn't have the chernabog in the game so it's kind of like something they almost just took liberty with which is interesting but you can actually go and um there's a site i found this on it's an actual netflix site where it'll break down each of the monsters described and it says uh so uh, it's made of a black exoskeleton uh it has massive claws the claws are so long that they actually can be perceived as muscular arms uh, they're actually known for grabbing and eating horses which makes sense how this kind of makes sense more now how roach got grabbed if you can kind of perceive that in your mind but it says the Chernobog also has an aerospace advantage. With the two giant webbed wings, it can swap solid ground for open air in a flash. It's extremely fast at, and ferocious at attacking enemies from above. It says its skills, um, it's one of the fastest creatures in flight, especially in close quarter when it attacks things. And when in close quarter attacks occur, it ha it emits a snarling and shrieking cry. Um, and it says its biggest strength on its body are actually its talons. And poachers uh, that are in the, the universe of the Witcher will actually hunt Chernobogs just to sell their talons. Um, and then it says they're actually so powerful their talons alone are capable of splintering trees how to kill it it's it's thick exoskeleton provides ample protection from damage but like many beasts a well-placed blow to the stomach can bring it down and it doesn't go into much detail on that but that makes more sense on how Geralt was able to drag its knife and bring it to the ground that way. So yeah, I just thought it was pretty cool. Um, do you want to kick us off on the debates? No, I wanted to add one more thing about the Chernobog too, because I did a little bit of research yeah. as well. And this is like, you did all the amazing physical characteristics and like certain weaknesses and things. There's this other part here too, just about like the folklore of where it comes from, I thought I found kind yeah. of interesting. And what I do like about this too is that this is one of the liberties that Netflix took because, like you said, mm -hmm. it didn't appear in the video games and it didn't appear in the book series outside of a few vague references. So, like, mm -hmm. this is kind of its own little thing that Netflix gets to kind of have fun with. And uh, they say like, it appears to be directly inspired by Slavic folklore. And basically, in Slavic folklore, the Chernobog is known as the Black God and is a god of bad fates who brings death and woe. So I thought that was pretty cool uh, on that front, if that is true, where it's derived yeah, from cool. or where it gets its you know, inspiration from. Just interesting to kind of see like the certain folklore and where things come into play in, in certain locations. But uh, with that being said, man, I'll, like I said, I'll turn it over to you. I want you to go ahead and start our debates off, and then we'll uh, get into mine and we'll roll on out. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Um, I guess kind of first thing is... I mean, I don't want to give anything away for, like, where this goes, but as far as that kind of last scene, like, not the exact last scene, but let's see, the scene with the Ouroboulcom, where Siri had already gone through the portal and Yennefer looked back. My debate is, if Siri didn't go through the portal yet, do you think Yennefer would have stopped? Like... 
I guess I'm confused with the question. Like, they would have stopped the portal? Is that what you're asking no, me? No, no, no. My uh, so she had that exact quote uh, at the very end here, where she says, uh, "Let me give you the exact quote." She says, "I wish I could." So, but Siri had already gone through the portal. So my question is, if Siri didn't go through the portal and they were both staring back at Geralt, and Geralt didn't want her to go, one, do you think Siri would have gone? Two. If Yennefer had the opportunity to stop Ciri, because Rience is gone at this point, he already vanished, do you think they would have stopped? Do you think something would have sparked Yennefer based on her history with Geralt, where, you know, we don't need to do this? Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think that it'd be more of along the lines of, if, if Cyril didn't go through the portal yet and she saw, like, the aftermath of that battle and they were all together there before they went into the portal. I think a few things could have happened. I think that Cirilla probably would have tried to get back to Geralt because she has a trust and a foundation that she's built with him. And But what I do think would have happened, and the thing is, the only thing, though, is if this did happen, it would change a lot of the courses that we do know that happened next episode. So this is kind of playing devil's advocate a bit because we kind of know what happens, right? But, like, my mind, because I think... Yennefer at this point is pretty desperate. She wouldn't be trying this at all if it wasn't desperate. I have a feeling that maybe Cirilla would have tried to get back to Geralt and Yennefer would have like grabbed her and tackled her through the portal and they would have left anyways. But then if that happened, you know, that would have been a little bit of a struggle when they arrived wherever the portal took them. Right? So like it's it's interesting there. I think Yennefer's level of desperation, she would definitely uh, still try to get Cirilla to that place that the deathless mother told her to get to in order to get her magic back maybe she would have been more strategic about it there's a few ways it could have gone i don't think it would have been like you know oh i'm like we're all good here like nah i think some some sort of thing would have happened maybe maybe she would have tackled to the portal maybe she would have played a smart and like you know had her close the portal they all like go off together and found another way to sneak her away that's probably what i would think because i i have a feeling that srilla would kind of default to Geralt's instructions, you know, oh, stop that portal, come back, we're good, versus, you know, you know, going off with Yennefer on, on that end. But I could definitely see Yennefer still trying to, you know, get her magic back, still in that form of desperation, figuring out how she can get Cirilla to that black door. And so I either, you know, think she might have... That was That's kind of more of an extreme thing if, you know, if she tackled her through the portal, because at that point in time, Cirilla would kind of have an idea that Yennefer's not really on her side, right? Uh, but yeah. maybe she would have been a little bit more strategic and decided to stick with Geralt, but maybe try to find another intelligent way to sneak her away from him at some other point. Um, those are my thoughts on it. What about you? Yeah, I mean, those are kind of my thoughts. Like, I think, I think she would have, maybe you have the chance to stop. But honestly, I think she had already gone too far by that point. Like, Geralt knows based on what we've seen Geralt like in his questions that have been involved I think it would have been to the point of I don't think she would have pushed her through the portal but I don't know if she would have threatened her or something but it it makes me wonder Uh, I'm really honestly I'm kind of surprised that Yennefer has gotten this desperate because 
you would think she would have allies that could try to help her with this situation but maybe it's like people don't really understand like the deathless mother like people would think she was crazy what what do you think do you think that's why she hasn't really tried to reach out to anyone about this besides Tissaia that knows she can't use magic i think if she doesn't want it's like it's a sense of vulnerability like She's been somebody who's burned a lot of bridges, crossed a lot of people in the wrong way, but has always been able to defend herself. Now she's super vulnerable. If everyone finds out that Yennefer of Vengerberg, a very powerful, well-known mage, can't use magic, no one's going to be afraid of her, and they can use that against her. And I think it's more like a sense of self-preservation, of anything, and that's what's causing this desperation of her being so accustomed to being in control and being able to handle herself to now like oh my gosh i i'm you know i'm very vulnerable i've got no i've got no backup so i don't think she trusts many people to confide the information and to say is one of them and people start to figure it out once that she gets put in these situations and she's not using magic to get out of it but i don't i think that's why she doesn't want people to know is she doesn't want that to get out that she can't defend herself and you know all these people who've got old scores to settle can start knocking on the door you know what i mean i think I think it's more so that's what's causing the desperation is, you know, she's found herself already in a few sticky situations that she couldn't get out of because she didn't have magic and she just feels useless in a way and she needs her magic back to to feel powerful or to kind of do this. Because even, she even told Cirilla in that room like that she doesn't have her magic, that she can't use her magic. So let's say if she even did tackle Cyril through the portal, like Cyril knows she's no threat to her because she can't do anything. Cyril is way more powerful than Yennefer, probably even at full strength with her magic, but definitely way more powerful than Yennefer with her, like without her magic. Right. So it would have to be like some sort of like secret, you know, trickery way. But to answer your question of why I don't think she has reached out to other people or try to get help to figure out how to get her magic back. I think that mainly is because, um, she doesn't want to feel vulnerable and want people to know her weakness. Yeah. No, I agree. It makes sense. Um, yeah, so that's what I have for that debate. I mean, that was my de- I only have one for today. So what about you? So we know that Rience took the vial of Cirilla's blood and the mutagen. What do we think Rience and Lydia are going to use this blood for. Do we? What do we think that their end goal is that they have now with this this vial of blood? I'll let you go ahead and start. I mean, I guess it's clearly to make more witchers. <laughs> I'm assuming somehow. I don't think they're gonna try to like sell it off and use it as like profit or anything. I mean, clearly. I mean, imagine how. I mean, what if they even used it on the mages? Like, imagine how powerful that would be. Like a, a witcher maze, mage. <laughs> like a witcher mage. Almost like a, the elf orcs <laughs> in Lord of the Rings. Like, who knows? I mean, I'm assuming that's what it is. Or they want to use it for bait. Or, um, you know, as leverage, maybe. But I'm assuming it's to make more witchers. What about you? The issue I have with that is and it stinks because I can't really give it away because it comes up to play in one of these the next couple episodes that we have left um, but we don't really have a whole lot of her blood let's say, let may say that so let's say making other witchers is their goal they don't really have a whole lot to work with on top of that 
I don't think. I <laughs> see. It's so hard for me to answer this <laughs> without giving giving things away that you know we'll talk about next week and the week after. Basically, um, I think what they're going to do with her blood is they're going to test it out and see what the properties of her blood are and like like how it holds power. And you know, I, you know, obviously, her blood does come back into play in these next two episodes, and we see towards the end the outcome kind of we don't really know the outcome but we see something visually on one of these people uh, that's what i'll say on that end but more so like i don't know if they're really trying to create more witchers and that's what their goal is i think they're trying to see like what power this girl's blood holds at all and maybe they are trying to not so much give the the vile blood to the highest bidder but to figure out, you know, who who wants Cirilla? What do they need with her? And like, how can this blood be useful to those people? And how can they kind of profit off of it? Or how can they like up their stance in life with using her blood as a bargaining tool, or at least, you know, uh, an, uh, what's it called? An experiment onto what can be done with it. And that's what I think. I don't know, because I don't think there's a lot enough there to make a whole new army of this quote-unquote evil witchers or anything like that i mean it makes sense i mean i don't really have an answer for it because the problem is i know like basically nothing about lydia (laughs) at this point i re-ends which goes in kind of to my point last week i mean i feel like we got to know more about lydia and re-ends backstory because i don't know anything about them is the problem but i agree with you it makes sense it's possible who knows? But uh, yeah, man. I mean, before I kind of go through our, our normal sign off cadence, is there anything that you wanted to add or to touch on before we get out of here for the day? No, nah, man. In that case, then we'll just go ahead and you know thank everyone else for joining us here today. If this is your first time, uh, feel free to follow us on any form of social media. We're on all forms of social media to this point. We have a fantastic uh, Instagram page at official ridiculous patronus. We have our own TikTok page at ridiculous patronus. We have a backup, which is uh, for Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Same thing for a backup for TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We have our Facebook fan page as well, which is Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. Twitter page, which is RP Factor Fantasy. Snapchat, which is RP Factor Fantasy. And we have our own website as well, which is ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. You can follow us on any of those. Please, guys, leave us reviews, comment message email whatever you guys want to do we really enjoy the uh, audience engagement would love to kind of hear your takes on our episodes and opinions that you guys may have as well uh, on top of that if, you know if you're looking to figure out where you can listen to us and what places have chase and josh factor fantasy simply put everywhere does right so if you are an <laughs> I- <laughs> if you are an iphone user uh, you can find us on apple Podcasts, itunes if you're an android user we are on google play amazon music we're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, uh, Audible, Acast, Stitcher. Like I said, wherever you get your podcast, Chase and Josh Factor Our Fantasy. Our website. Are there. <laughs> you can go there. Guess you could if you wanted to. <laughs> uh, yeah, and on top of that, guys, if you haven't done so already, outside of like the clicking, the subscribe, and reviews, uh, you can also click star ratings now on sites such as Spotify. And you can also do so on Apple Podcasts. So if you like what you heard here, uh, please give us that uh, feedback that, you know, what you take with your takeaways. So uh, outside of that, guys, we're out for the day. You know, this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing off. off.